culture, society. On every street and around every bend lies a world positively overflowing with both. But sometimes we can all use a night in, removed from the endless spiral of chaos and absolute nonsense that waits outside our doors. And for those nights, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get your favorite drinks delivered to your door in under 60 minutes. All from the comfort of your couch. Because society is great, but it doesn't have your couch. And it's windy out. And you forgot your jacket. And oh my God, would you look at the line at that place? Are you serious? I... (sighs) So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny, and I always keep it cute. If you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram, or just join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below it is the week of christmas or hanukkah depending on what you celebrate we have um a really fun show planned for this wednesday with margaret josephs from the real housewives of new jersey she had a lot to say we talked about we talked a lot about like danielle and like a lot of the stuff that went down last season the pony pool all of it she even had some very interesting things to say about the sig Miss Siggy Flicker. So stay tuned this Wednesday. I have Margaret Josephs from The Real Housewives of New Jersey on Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. It's a really fun interview. You can watch the full interview on YouTube or you can listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere podcast is available. But if you want to watch it, like I keep telling you guys, you can watch the show. You can see my pretty face and my freshly bleached hair at youtube.com slash just plain Zach. All right, we have some stuff to break down, OMG. So we are going to talk about the Erica and Tom stuff. We're going to talk about it, but I'm going to like touch on it briefly today because I'm thinking this weekend, I'm going to spend the weekend doing a deep dive to have a new episode for either Monday or Wednesday. Tell me if you are willing to wait until Wednesday because I want to do like a real good episode that goes into all of the nitty gritty that talks about Tom's past lawsuits, like with the senior citizens that tried to sue him. I mean, I've learned a lot about Mr. Tom Girardi um, and everything that's going on with Erica and the timing of when the the lawsuits kind of first started to begin to happen to when she joined Housewives and some of my theories with a lot of it. I know people didn't like my theory about Erica and Tom on the shows last week and I think even the week prior people didn't agree with my theories but I think as things are continuing to develop my theories are checking out and um okay so I have a lot more thoughts and I'll dive into it in next week's episode but I'll do a full deep dive we were originally supposed to wrap for the year with our Margaret Joseph's interview but I feel like there's just so much happening with the Tom and Erica stuff that I'm going to do a full on episode that kind of puts all of it together 
And that way we can all be clear on the timeline and hopefully you'll get to like understand where I'm coming from with my theory. But let's talk about, so before we get into the Erica Jane stuff, let's talk about Potomac. I just finished watching part two of the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion and OMG, I cannot wait for the, the fact that we now, like, I think this is the longest reunion we've ever had. We've had the three-part reunions in the past, but I don't think we've ever had a four-part reunion. This isn't a four-part reunion, but the, uh, the third part is going to be 90 minutes long. I don't think we've, correct me if I'm wrong, but to my recollection, we have not had a 90-minute, uh, part of a reunion that's part of like a three-part series so it looks good it looks juicy we already know we're gonna get some um some heat between the chrises next week the two husbands i have to say i'm really starting to empathize with monique a lot more compared to before i mean i felt really badly for candace once the altercation first kind of happened but then as the season went on i'm like but monique has rem no remorse and i was like struggling so i'm like monique like you're in the wrong, but like all you have to do is like have a little ownership and accountability. And I think you'll win over the audience a lot more. But after watching everything that played out in this reunion, you can tell the editors are definitely team Monique because when they, when all the women were like, that didn't happen, that didn't happen. And even Andy was like, there's no footage of, of her waving a broken wine glass in your face. And then they show all of the clips and the montage. Cause I saw before, prior to watching the Real House as a Potomac reunion part two, there was a lot of heat on Twitter that Andy was getting. A lot of people were saying that he was gaslighting Monique. A lot of people were saying that he was definitely biased towards Candace and that there were so many moments where he was like, that wasn't caught on camera. That obviously wasn't shown. And then the producers pulled out all the receipts and they slowed everything down and everything that they showed backed up Monique's account of what actually happened to show. Cause I mean, look, I feel badly for Candace, but at the same time, I just feel like, she has no accountability. I mean, Monique, did, like, I feel like they can both own a lot more accountability. Monique obviously has said that she feels badly, but at the same time, I think Monique's frustration is with the fact that Candace is just like, I did absolutely nothing wrong. I didn't do a damn thing. And Monique just attacked me out of nowhere. And when you see the unaired footage where, you know, um, Candace is yelling at her, calling her a ghetto ass bitch and saying that she's about to be fired and all this stuff. So that's why Monique was like getting hyped up when you see her behind the door in the hallway and the producer, the producer didn't want to open it up because like obviously there was still tension kind of building in the room. Not saying the, what Monique did was right. I think Monique was still, you know, in the wrong to go physical first. But when she's like, but Candace put her hand in my face and they're like, that didn't happen. And then you see the footage of Candace actually going like that to Monique and putting her fingers right underneath her chin, like swinging her hand in her face. You're like, okay, well, like Monique wasn't technically wrong. Like everything that Monique said is checking out. And I just think Monique and Candace are very different at processing <clears throat> at processing their emotions. So for me, I was kind of just like, why is it okay for us to accept that Candace is hurting and she, when she hurts, she cries and obviously acts out in the way that she did with filing, you know, um, filing her suit against Monique and then, you know, trying to, I mean, I guess it's unfair to say she was trying to send her to jail, but like, come on, what were your intentions and in doing that and saying, I don't care if she goes to jail. Obviously, you had some sort of, you know, motive there. But I just think, you know, because Andy was coming, he was really coming at Monique. You can tell Andy is definitely on Candace's side of this whole thing, probably because he doesn't, 
I don't think he wants to endorse fi- like physical altercations on the show, even though it's kind of become part of the housewives brand at this point we started with the table flip you know we've had several other physical altercations that he hasn't really held people as accountable in the past for as he is doing monique right now and he really came at monique and he's like you don't seem to have much emotion you don't seem to really be feeling anything right now and she's just like i already processed my emotions you guys missed all of that you didn't show me struggling or dealing with the aftermath of this or having any emotional reaction to it because you know candace was doing waterworks and she was crying and that's not to say that candace's feelings aren't valid and that's not to say that candace isn't still struggling and her crying that's not to say that it's looking for attention i think some people may make that argument but i think she definitely has emotions and she processes them differently and the fact that we're really looking at Candace and empathizing with her or sympathizing with her a lot more because her reaction is to be more emotional and Monique's reaction is to be, you know, not as emotional. Like people process things very differently. And I don't think it's fair to just dismiss Monique's reaction as insignificant or as she doesn't have any, I mean, I guess she doesn't really have much remorse and she'll own that, but It just feels like we're really trying to paint Candace as a victim when I think the footage tonight and the way that it was cut and slowed down and broken up for all of us shows that Candace isn't as, she wasn't as much of a, she was a victim of Monique assaulting her physically, but she wasn't as much of a victim in the altercation as I think she and all the other women want to believe that she is. And I think this is where Karen comes in and she really is looking at both sides of it. And I can understand why Karen and Ashley are very much like not trying to not pick a side. I mean, I think Ashley's definitely picked a side, but I think Karen is like in the middle and she's trying to be like, I I understand all of it. This is why when, you know, Eric J. Mack and Megan Segura were on the show a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about the altercation, they were like, we're very much team or we're, yeah, we're team Karen because we understand her side of it because you really look at it from both angles. And I don't think Monique or Candace are willing to listen to each other. But watching this past reunion, I was just like, wow. Like Andy clearly has picked a side I think the the heat he's getting on Twitter is warranted because I almost tweeted and I was like, whoa, Andy, it definitely looks like you're a little biased here. And we can definitely tell which side of it the, the not the producers, the editors are on because it definitely, they definitely edited everything and broke up all the footage, probably because at this point they've heard everything. They've had to edit all the interviews. They've had to watch all the women's statements. They've had to watch the altercation over and over and over because that's what it takes when you edit something. So I think at this point they know what's up. Um, but yeah, I just, I wasn't a fan of Annie Cohen this this reunion. I do feel for Candace, but I am looking forward to seeing what transpires next week when the husbands come out and the women have more to say. I thought Giselle was definitely queen of deflection. She keeps saying, she keeps saying that like Monique is the one who's the queen of deflection. I think Monique is at this point, like mic drop gangster. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. If I'm going to be fired, then I'm at least going to go out with a bang. Like you're either going to ask me back or you're not going to ask me back. But like at this point, I'm doing me and like, I'm going hard. And I'm just like, at this point, like, what has she got to lose? Like, if she's already going to be fired, she's already going to be fired. Or if she's going to come back, like, at this point, I think, bring the receipt. We are living for the binder right now. The binder is giving us, gave us life. I don't know how much more of the, I don't think we're going to get much more of the binder. Um, I think it's given us enough already, but TBD, we shall see. But so in response to last week's reunion, where we talk about where she brought up the allegations about Jamal cheating, Jamal then went on, I think it was Instagram Live, and he was like, yo, homie, hold up, wait a minute, I ain't got a mistress. I was actually single. 
and I am single. He alluded that he was single. Like the hard part is you watch the footage from the past season of Potomac and you're just like, okay, he seems like he's actually in this and he wants to work on things with Giselle. But then afterwards, he says that these text messages were from some woman that he happened to be dating and things didn't work out. And he's allowed to date women because he's technically single. And it's like, well, are you single or are you trying to work on things with Giselle? But they never really say that they're in a relationship. They say that they're working on things. They say that they're, you know, trying to make things work. They're trying to make things better. And I think in Giselle's head, trying to work on things means we're somewhat committed to each other. But I think in Jamal's head, trying to work on things means we're trying to have a better relationship, but I'm still technically single. So I'm still allowed to sleep with other people. And he even said that like, he called Monique thirsty and tried to say that like, you know, she was reaching for straws because, you know, he is free to do whatever he wants. He blamed it on reality TV. He blamed it on the editing, but like, you agreed to sign up to this. You agreed or you led Giselle on. Like, this is the thing that makes me crazy is that guys love to do this. I went through this. I had a friend that went through this just this past week is these guys love to tell you the things that you want to hear. Whatever their agenda is, I personally think it's like an ego agenda where they're just like, this feels good because I have your attention, whether I'm having sex with you or not having sex with you, you're still you're still stroking my ego, whether you're stroking my dick or stroking my ego doesn't really matter. You're stroking something and it makes me happy. And I think Jamal likes that Giselle was definitely willing to stroke his ego and probably stroke his dick. And he was very happy about that. And so I think these guys, like just men in general need to just be honest because what they do is they lead you on and they're just like, I, this is what I want. This is what we can work towards. And they lead you to believe what they're saying and they don't stop you if you get a little ahead of yourself. They actually are just like, well, you know, you're getting a little ahead of yourself, but I'm not going to say anything. That's just you. And then when you get too far ahead of yourself, then they're like, whoa, 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 hold up. Wait a minute. You're crazy. And then it's just like, what am I? I'm crazy. And this is where I think Giselle looks a little dumb is it looks like she's crazy because it looks like she's trying to make something work that isn't actually going to work. And in his head, he's just like, well, I mean, I said we were working on things, but like, what does that really mean? It's like Ross and Rachel, are we on a break? What does that mean? It's like that we haven't clearly defined the definitions of everything. We don't know the boundaries. We don't know the parameters. We need to be on the same page. We need to have the bullet points outlined. Men need bullet points outlined. I am a man. I have man brain. I have a penis. I'm telling you right now, men need it to be clear. There needs to be a bullet point columned list and and every bullet point needs to be very clearly defined as to what's allowed and what's not allowed. Because as we can see, Jamal is over here swinging his big D all around Atlanta, while Giselle is actually thinking that there's a chance here and that there's hope that they can get back together. And I think Giselle's looking real stupid. But she just did another interview recently with, I believe it was the Daily Mail, where she said that they're fine. So we're fine. J Jamal and I are fine. But again, what does fine mean? Does fine mean we're okay? We're friends. We're co-parenting. We're okay. We're working on having a good relationship as parents or as a family unit. Does fine mean we are dating again? Does fine mean I'm going to be, you know, pastor's wife and I'm going to be moving to Atlanta? Like, what does that mean? I don't think we know what that means because I don't think Giselle knows what that means. I think she just thinks, I'm okay and I'm happy now and Jamal is okay and he's happy now and we're all just like, we're good. But it's like, you need to go to therapy. You need to have some couples counseling because Jamal is just going to keep fooling around as long as he gets to fool around.
Um, okay, should we talk about? Let's talk about Vanderpump Rules. Ariana and Tom have recently, there's been a lawsuit filed against them because they allegedly, it was by their by a former co-writer of a cocktail book that Ariana was working on with this co-writer. Um, excuse me, sorry, I just had a burp. Um, Ju- Ariana was working with this woman years ago on a cocktail book together which I believe Ariana was very like clear about on the show that she was working on a cocktail book. And then Tom Sandoval came in and he wanted to work on the cocktail book as well. And I think we even saw that on the show a couple seasons ago where she's just like, this is my cocktail book and you're trying to come up on my cocktail book. And eventually they decided to co-write a cocktail book together. And they eventually went on to work with Dali Pellegrino who helps them co-write fancy AF cocktails, which they've been pimping out. I believe it came out last year. They've been doing the whole book tour. They just did like a little Christmas thing and they did a little gardenuity collaboration where you buy the cocktail book and you get a little garden for your garden, for your home, for your lifestyle, your hashtag lifestyle goop brand. And it's made with fancy AF cocktails. So this co-writer is saying that they basically took her concept and her ideas and launched their own book and cut her out of the deal. She's saying that she had a contract with Ariana and then um, Tom Sandoval came in and then so they worked a three-way contract with Tom, Ariana and the co-writer and basically they were supposed to split everything three ways. She was supposed to get a chunk of the advance. She was also supposed to get a chunk of the royalties moving forward, which to me as somebody that's published four books, um, And that's also been like, I've also been approached to do multiple co-authorships, like co-authoring books or um, ghostwriting for people. I've been approached for that. So I understand how these contracts and negotiations work. And so for me, I also understand that like when you go into a negotiation for these types of things, yes, all of that, all of that stuff is technically outlined in a contract, but unless the contract is signed and, and for the most part, the contract is really just like a contingency plan should things actually move forward. The contract doesn't really mean anything and you aren't really entitled to anything unless your contract is with the actual publisher. So I believe, so the contract that this woman has with Tom and Ariana and with Ariana prior to Tom coming onto the, the project was really just like a, let's do a book together. If we do a book together, this is kind of our plan between each other. But there was no publisher involved. There was nothing else. There was nothing concrete. There was no official, you know, anything. There was there was no publisher signed to the book. The book was just like an idea that we had. So I don't even think that there was much of an IP argument, which I think is what this woman is also trying to argue that these were some of her ideas. But I think she would kind of have to prove that they were her ideas and that Ariana intent like was intentional in using those ideas and not giving her credit in any sort of way. I don't know what her ideas were. I mean, maybe it was, you know, to do a, um, you know, a twist on a classic mojito. If that's like what she's saying, then like anybody can do a, a twist on a classic mojito and that's not really anything innovative. That's not intellectual property. Like people do that with cocktails all the time. I've done several cocktail guides. Like I'm very clear in how all of this works. I've done several cocktail guides. I've written several books. I know how these contracts work. I know what the contract looks like pre-publisher. I know what the contract looks like when you have a publisher. And basically what I'm trying to say is homegirl is thirsty. She's looking for some PR and she has absolutely no grounds. Tom and Ariana have spoken out. They said she has absolutely no grounds and she doesn't. Like unless girl, unless you're on the, I don't know who published their book. Let's just say it was Gallery, for example. 
example, if Gallery published their book and you don't have a contract, if your name isn't on the contract with Gallery and your signature isn't in any of the books and it doesn't say homegirl gets paid X percent of, of the royalties or X percent of the advance, then I'm sorry, you're not entitled to anything, okay? Go get your little thirst binder like Monique and go check yourself out because you're done here. And that's a wrap. So Tom and Ariana are gonna be fine. It's just bad, it looks like bad publicity for them. They're gonna be fine. There's no grounds that this woman has it at all. Okay, next up, let's talk about the Erica Jane stuff because there is so much that happened um, after all of the news kind of broke. So basically, I think the biggest thing was Trisha. Trisha is... So there were a bunch of receipts that were spilled over the weekend. So Erica has been served and she has to make an appearance in court. I believe it's this week. It was an emergency appearance that she has to make. She's claiming that she didn't know anything about what was going on with Tom. And I actually believe her and wait for my, before you come and drag me, because you guys love to drag me in the comments. Before you do that, wait for my full breakdown, which will be coming next week of how I actually think this is all kind of broken up and what Erica knew and what she didn't know. And like why I came to that conclusion based off of all of the pieces that we have to because I think so many people are quick to judge whether they're LVP stands or whether they're Denise stands. Like they're all just like, Erica's guilty. Erica's going to jail. I actually don't think Erica is going to jail at all. And I know people are trying to compare Erica's situation to Teresa Judice's situation. And the difference between Erica and Teresa is Teresa actually signed a lot of the paperwork, signed the fraudulent tax documents. Whereas we, I don't believe Erica, from what we know so far, Erica hasn't actually signed anything. We just know that Tom put the money in Erica's business account, which technically doesn't make her responsible for where the money came from. I mean, I think the marriage component of like, there are just so many pieces that make this unique situation so different and can kind of keep it all up in the air. But I don't think Erica is actually going to serve any jail time. I think Tom might, unless his defense really tries to throw the buck on Erica as the wife, especially now since he's saying that he is, he's been hospitalized and he says that he, you know, is mentally unfit at the moment and like all of these things. Like I think they're trying to pass the buck off of off onto Erica, probably in retaliation and they're upset that she filed for divorce. And I think it's just, it's looking bad. But so what we've discovered this past weekend is, is that Tom is broke. I believe he said that he only has about 15,000 in cash or hat or recently had that. And, you know, obviously $15,000 may be a lot for the average American, but $15,000 for a man that claims that his, he had over 200 million cash in the bank from him to now say that he only has 15, which is probably what is used. Like, look, I know what it takes to even run a business and a business, you know, I, I don't think I'm allowed to give numbers for other things, but, but what I will say is running a business is very expensive. You have, you know, commercial rent, you have personal property rent. I don't know if they own their house or they still have a mortgage that they're paying off, but you just have all of these additional expenses. $15,000 is basically nothing for a man like Tom. It's basically like having, you know, 700 bucks in the bank for the average American. We're like, it's a little penny. It's a little nugget. If I don't spend anything and if I cut my expenses, if I delete Hulu and, and, and Disney plus for, you know, the rest of the year, I might be able to extend this 15,000, but I, I would say it's probably like a good six, $700 for the average American. It's a lump sum. It's a good little amount. 
it could it could probably buy me dinner for the next couple weeks, but it's not going to last very long, TBH. And so we now know that Erica and Tom's accounts have all been frozen. She was even doing like a little Poshmark moment. I don't believe it was on Poshmark, but I'm just using that as a reference because people don't like when I use wrong references. Um, she was doing a little Poshmark moment where she was selling some of her old clothes, which a lot of the women do. I think even Dorinda was getting uh, called out because she put up a Sonia by Sonia Morgan, some clothes by Sonia, Sonia by Sonia Morgan up to her Poshmark. And people are like, ooh, that's shady. But yeah, so Erica was doing her moment where she was selling her clothes. And even and then the judge was like, you can't sell your clothes. You can't make any more money. Anything that comes in has to go into this holding account because everything is basically frozen. So she is basically broke right now. She's broke as a joke and she don't have anything. And I'm not sure the glam squad is willing to, to front the bill. I don't think Mikey's over there being like, girl, I got you. I'll pay for dinner. Even though she paid for dinner, his whole entire friendship with her. I... This is where you see who your friends are. And I think a lot of the housewives are trying to be friends to Erica right now because they're filming the show and they obviously want some good clout. I believe they care for Erica, but if this were like Lisa Vanderpump, I don't know if they would be as nice to Lisa as they are to Erica. But so counts are frozen. Tom has been hospitalized because they're saying that he's like not well. And I... Don't know how true that is. I believe a man of his age might be with all the stress. There probably is a physical toll it's taking on his body. But at the same time, it's just like, but how much of this are we stretching? Like how much of this is like a Lindsay Lohan hospitalized for exhaustion sort of moment, you know, where we're like bending the truth and we're stretching it and it looks bad. But like we all know she just overdosed on cocaine, allegedly. So I think Tom, I think they're using this as a tactic. I mean, Tom is obviously a very smart man. He's been a lawyer for a very long time. He doesn't always show his cards up front, which is also part of why I believe Erica didn't know as much as people want to believe that she did because Tom's, as a lawyer, he's just, he's not coming home to the dinner table and being like, yo, babe, screwed some people out of some money today, took some money from some orphans, screwed off these old, this old folks home. And we're, you know, we're banking in dinner tonight. This sushi tonight is on the old folks home. I just don't believe that he was that transparent. Trust me, I've been around a lot of lawyers enough to know that like, they don't even put things in text messages because they're afraid that if anything at any point comes out, like they're just so careful with what they say and who they say it to and they talk around other things that way they can't be held if they're doing anything shady it can't come back to bite them they're very intentional about these sorts of things so i just think i don't think tom was as i just don't think he's as honest of a man as erica want or as anybody would want to believe that he is and i don't think that's me being naive i think if you've been around a lot of lawyers if you know how a lot of lawyers, especially the the Beverly Hills Sharks, which Tom definitely is. Tom is a shark. And I think Erica knew that Tom was a shark, but I don't think she, I think she kept her head in the sand and was like, I know my husband's a shark, but at the end of the day, he's coming home with the paycheck. I'll just make sure dinner is ready for him. I'll make sure, and as long as dinner is ready for him and he's happy, my glam squad is paid for my music video. I'm going to go pat the puss over here and just not even pay attention to what he's doing because if I don't know, I'm just going to turn the other cheek, which is really common with the Beverly Hills housewives, not Bravo housewives, but just housewives in Beverly Hills. It's very common for you to be like, if you're buying my boobs, I don't need to know where you're getting the money from. If you're going to fuck some hooker on the side, good for you. I don't need to know about it. You just do what you're going to do as long as you don't embarrass me is really kind of the mentality of housewives here in Los Angeles. And I, I just think wealthy housewives in general, but specific, 
specifically here in Beverly Hills, because everything we're in LA, it's all smoke and mirrors. Everything's, you know, image and all of that sort of stuff. But so over the weekend, Erica had a little snap moment where Tom's attorney tweeted out saying that, um, I bet, I guess, cause he was trying to, they're trying to serve Erica with something and they're afraid she's going to be unresponsive. So then he tweeted it and he's like, everybody let's retweet it so we can make sure she gets the message, which also looks a little thirsty and feels like Teresa Judice's lawyer where it's like, these lawyers love to be part of the scandal and the drama. And they love to like be on the Twitter and do the, you know, the thing with the, the cameras. So I wouldn't even be surprised if we saw some lawyers on the new season of Beverly. Well, we probably are. Cause they're going to be like, Oh, Erica can't answer these questions without me present. So I'm going to sit down at the dinner table. Like we did with Teresa Judice and pretend like, you know, we're having a real conversation and I'm not trying to get some more Instagram followers. But so while this guy was tweeting out, asking everybody to retweet about Erica's situation and her accounts are being frozen and she needs to be called into an emergency hearing, she then had a little snappy moment of her own and ended up posting all of these photos, which basically show that Tom was cheating on her with um, Trisha, who is a judge for the second district division eight of California. So she was here, I believe she was appointed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this she's been, she's been there for, let's see, eight years, because she was appointed in 2008. So she's been, she's been a judge for a minute. And so Wow, so that means Tom was doing all of this while she was like a judge there. And which is actually unfortunate for him because from what I believe, he was very close to Governor Newsom of California and Newsom was trying to help him become a judge, which I mean, I think he's a little old to begin. Like, I don't want to be ageist or anything. I don't want to judge people like Karen and Robin's photo shoot. But like, let's be real. Can he really, do we really want him to be a judge right now? Now we know all of his, you know, little corruption. Not saying that, you know, judges are all that honest, but they want to be. So he was a pair, Erica's alleging that he was paying for her lifestyle, he was paying for her plastic surgery, and then Erica came with the receipts and she posted all sorts of photos of Tom's text messages to this woman, to Trisha, basically showing that they had a pre-established relationship. And so I know a lot of people then went on to say that like, oh, well, if you look at the dates and the timestamps, these are really old messages, they're probably from like 2016 or probably from 2011. And like, my thing is like, regardless of what, of how old the text messages are, I believe that Erica leaking this information and posting a screenshot of all of these different messages. Let me see if I can pull up the actual thread to show you. Um, They do look really old and I'm not going to lie. It looks like a very old sort of, um, it looks like a burner phone. It could be from 2016. It could also be from 2011. Not really sure. I mean, the fact that she leaked this woman's phone number is also a little sketchy, but I clearly Erica wasn't in her right mind frame. But you like see her lying on a bed and she's like, you know, posing these cute little sexy photos for Tom. I'm curious, like who took this photo? Was it Tom? Was it like her kids? Was it like a Kim Kardashian Northwest? She's like, North, take my photo. We have pictures of her butt. But so anyway, you sh- it shows that they had uh, they had some sort of relationship. He was clearly paying for all of her plastic surgery. So it was just, it's very sketchy and it's very incriminating. And so other reports have come out that Erica is obviously very embarrassed by the situation that's unfolding. Um, 
she apparently knew that Tom had stepped out and cheated on her in the past. And I think Erica leaking this information is her way of showing that like Tom has not been honest and loyal to her for a very long time. I think it's obvious that, I mean, those text messages could be from 2020. They could be from 2019. Obviously the date stamp shows show that they're not, but it's not hard to go to Target, buy one of those burner flip phones that are prepaid and use that. Obviously, you know, Tom's an older man. He knows how to use a flip phone more than I'm sure he knows how to use his iPhone. He's a little more comfortable using a flip phone. I'm pretty sure Erica was like digging through the drawers one day because she suspected something, found the flip phone, and then it was like, oof, snap, 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 take it with my iPhone. Let's blast this shit out. Although Bethany did put out a tweet over the weekend where she's like, you can't play, I've, she said that she said this many times, you can't play smart, you can't play dumb and smart at the same time. So I think, I don't think Erica is trying to play dumb and smart. I think she, I think it's really just, she wanted to keep her head in the sand and be ignorant. I think she's smart. I think she had a hunch that her husband wasn't very honest, but I don't think she wanted to know all of the details. And I think once she found out that they were cheating and that he was stepping out on her, which we do know was happening up until this year because he was caught with another woman on New Year's Eve of 2020. So just what, 11, 12 months ago, he was caught with somebody else with another young blonde woman. So he obviously had a habit for having relationships with other women i believe that erica probably knew this is probably where the open relationship started to come into play now i'm getting into you know more details which i'll break down on next week's episode but i think there are a lot of pieces that show that erica and tom's relationship have been has been over for a long time and i'm sure she has her binder of receipts that she's going to pull out and show the judge and we have the housewives that are backing her up because when she posted all the text messages with judge Trisha, that's when Kyle Richards put hashtag receipts in the comments. The post was only up for like 35 minutes before she took it down, probably because her lawyer is like, what the hell are you doing? Or it could be a strategy from her lawyer and her PR team, like post it, make it look like you had a snappy tequila night moment. I would really love if cameras were with her and she had like Lisa Renner or Kyle and they were just like, own it, baby, post it, post it, post it. And then she posted it. And then I was like, oh, we got to take this down because like, this is bad. I don't know how it's going to play out. I hope we get to, to watch a lot of it on the show. We are, they are filming right now. I believe they're, they're um, having their next cast trip, which is out to Palm Springs. I do know that Erica is talking about it. I don't know how much she can say or how much she will say, but from what I've heard, Erica is not holding back. And she's probably the same way Teresa did this past season where she was laying down the foundation for leaving Joe. I think Erica is going to start to leave the foundation for everything that she's kept hidden about Tom in the past. And it's interesting because people are pulling old clips from Real Houses of Beverly Hills where you're starting to see little pieces come together and you're just like, their marriage hasn't been pretty for a long time and now it's all coming to a front. And I think she's definitely regretting not getting out sooner. But that's just where we're at. All right. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. I look forward to seeing what happens on this Palm Springs Palm Springs cast trip. Um, only time will tell. We will see. I, but I'm excited for the new season of Beverly Hills. It sounds good. It sounds juicy. It seems like Erica is definitely going to be in the hot seat. And like, we're really going to follow this out. And it's going to be another Teresa and Joe moment. But like I said, I really don't think. I think it's it's more likely that she doesn't go to jail, but may have to pay some money back. I'm not entirely believing that she's going to do some time. He will definitely do time unless they come up with a good 
you know, reason of, you know, insanity, unfit, whatever, that will get him like a, a, a what did they call it? An orange is the new black Florida. They're going to put him in Florida where he's with the other, you know, elderly folks and, you know, he's going to be in the safe space in, in jail, but we'll see what happens. All right. Thank you guys for listening to hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. Stay tuned. My interview with Margaret Josephs comes out this Wednesday, which is right before Christmas. So whether you're on your way to see your family or whether you're out doing Christmas shopping or whether you're, you know, just chilling at home, whatever you're doing, you can listen to the show. Don't forget to listen to hashtag adulting. Lots of great lifestyle advice. Perfect for this time of year. Thank you guys for listening. Please leave me a five-star review. I'll give shout outs very soon on the show. Thank you guys. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye.